So uh, welcome to Lauren Sport Podcast with me, Sean Cotchell, the founder and CEO of Lauren Sport. I'm here in the West End of London, in the heart of Soho, actually, with a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine, a good friend of Lauren Sport, an editorial board member, um, probably one of them now getting to become one of the most well-known sports lawyers and, uh, uh, what I'll say, leading, category-leading author, uh, Daniel Gee. How are you doing? Thank you. I, yeah. It's always very awkward when you say the last bit because <laughs> the truth is, you know, I've only been really, we'll talk about it in a bit, you know, I've only been a, a real sports lawyer for a shorter period of time. You know, I've done lots of different other types of work, but that's actually, I think, helped me immensely, actually, in lots of different ways. But we, yeah, we can... So, so, um, so we did this, right, we literally just, mm-hmm. just organised it yesterday, yeah, yeah. coming today, and I just wanted to like, sort of catch up, really, because one, we don't get to see each other as much as we used to, just generally kids. kids. <laughs> that's a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we initially did a, back in 2012, it was December, I checked, it was December 2012, we published it, so we probably recorded it yeah. a few months prior to that, talking about your career, and just a fast track, we'll put a link to it so people can watch it, but you talked about, you know, you started at, um, at Jones Day, mm-hmm. and then you moved across to a firm where you could get some more competition yeah. and commercial experience, did some broadcasting work, yeah. did a dissertation with Mark James up in Manchester, yeah. so I did, I've done my research. <laughs> and... Um, and, and then subsequently after that, though, obviously you've joined Sheridan's and uh, now the team's exploded here mm-hmm. uh, and it's going really well. Can you fill in the blanks from, from when we did this interview and you gave some advice on how to become a sports lawyer, which I'll come back to later because I want to see if that's changed or not yep. o- over the years. Can you fill in the blanks for us? Yeah. How long have we got? Let's just do, let's do a supercharged, turbocharged version. I think the turbocharged version is um, I've got a lot less hair, <laughs> a few more wrinkles. <laughs> probably feeling actually better shape actually to be fair I've sort of I know we do that we talk about as well sort of from a fitness and well-being perspective tried to implement a few different things whereas you're not as um yeah a bit less uh time sensitive as we we were in the past but um yeah I mean it's it's so, so let's stop on that for a yeah. second then we're going to on that has, is that making you a better lawyer because this is one of the things that we do t- the profession is 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 often full of people who are sort of A-type characteristic, you know, very driven, like hard-working people trying to progress. And often, even though we're in the sports sector, often the, the health side can mm. get overlooked. Mm. Have you found, have you made any changes that are making a difference in terms of your work output, decision-making? Uh, it's really, but I find it really important to do exercise and look after your health, the stuff that you eat. I'm constantly just trying to see where I can... <laughs> probably lose a few pounds <laughs> Me too. No, the truth the truth is is actually i need the uh i need the switch off time as well actually i get that with my kids and my wife really nicely a lot of the time although sometimes the the quite um uh valid reason sometimes is you're present but not present i you're there but you're not really there because there's too many things going on um so that's an important element it's the 24 7 you know um iphone culture of responding to emails at variety of different times of day or night it's the constant churn of thinking about stuff actually which become, can become tricky at times um but in terms of then exercise you know i used to play a lot more football i don't just because sunday mornings now i want to have try and have more time with the the kids really um because i that's more of the priority for for myself but then you've got to find those times to be able to do it. i'm getting up earlier which i think is actually better i'm doing more exercise in the morning i'm just trying to eat a bit better um and that's all been that's all been really positive so is there anything you wish you'd done earlier 
Like, is there anything now that you just think, or you just think you just had like more energy, more time, so it didn't really matter? You had the, you had those a greater margin, the same flexibility. Not necessarily. I mean, I always look on back on it and think, actually, I'm I'm glad I made that change. Or there's little things. I'm just trying to make small increments. Talk about uh, marginal gains. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, whatever else it is, actually, just little things. Like, for example, and we're not we're not even talking about law at the moment, <laughs> but like, I whenever I would I realized there was a great book called The Power of Habit by Charles yeah, Dewey. Book. I love, I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. He was, and and he was and it just brought home one really simple thing. I was like, I always struggled to get into the gym before work, and he was look and and part of the thing was trying to explain about why that would be the case. And for me, it was that there were too many things to think about as soon as I got up. Whereas actually, I realised that if I put my kit out and it was ready just to put my kit on and my bag was already packed, I was like. 50 60 percent more likely to go to the gym so it made me really realize the small things like actually so that's help. that's that's really interesting because um when i agree entirely with that um yeah you know, make sure you plan ahead right if you don't do it the next day it's probably because you didn't plan the day before um this also comes i was just speaking to, to to one of our mentees earlier about like doing marketing and this is something you're particularly well known for and we'll come on to this with the obviously with and publishing right the amount of time you dedicate to that right that's kind of a similar situation right that if you don't like allocate time to do writing to do research it's just not going to happen everything else will as you were saying particularly nowadays with all the pressures of the constant communication it just won't happen routine i realized it is all routine i find a lot of comfort in routine yeah me too um it's very helpful for me and to the extent that you know i know lawyers have a lot of checklists and lists and to-do lists or whatever but i tend it sounds ridiculous to say i will know generally what i'm putting in place now like a plan post all of the book stuff that i did Mm. which took a lot of time out which is and then i went through a bit of spell a little bit of a, a, a lull which is actually what i needed at the time for a bit which was I want to do creative things in the evenings after work has finished. So like I haven't picked up my guitar for a few years, really. Right. I'm going <laughs> to literally allocate time to play oh, the guitar. Great. Or like, you know, I was chatting to on another podcast a while ago, back with Sam Sloan, just doing a bit of creative stuff as well there. Or like on another day, I know that I want to think about um, what is the next blog that I want to write or what is the next piece of content I want to put out there so that I know for a couple of hours or an hour or so in the evening or one of the day of the week I know that I want to spend an hour reading my economist mm-hmm. or another day of the week I want to spend time reading the book that I am reading whatever it is but I know if I don't if I don't expressly articulate that that time is for that purpose, nothing will ever no, get no, done. I agree, hundred uh, percent. Because uh, you know we are innately lazy creatures. So, so, innately so, lazy this, creatures, so this this sort of does, is a nice kind of segue actually, because um, you know you said now you're a real sports lawyer, mm-hmm. right? Could and I, you're and you're so, you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you're someone who obviously. You, so coming back to the first interview right you said mm. look hard work one of the things that, that you said was hard work whichever way you're looking at it it carries a lot of hard work in order to build a profile in order to build up rep- relationship with clients particularly if it's not the mainstay of your practice mm. if you're not blessed to, to to work in a firm that's already got an established sports practice full time that creates a lot of hard work um you put well trying to look at the notes were ah, and enthusiasm etc mm. this sort of feeds into that then so at the time, obviously, you were working uh, a big... Field Fisher. Yeah, Phil yeah. Fisher. And you were doing some sports work, mm. not as much as you are now. Mm. One, how much of how much of that type of attitude with having good habits, allocating time, helped you progress to here? Two things, really. I think the first thing is um, I wanted 
to learn as much as I could about the chosen area that I wanted to do more of because it just doesn't come to you mm. and you've got to go and get it really is yeah. the truth and like you know the law and sport website I, 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 I'm writing in a blog actually at the moment about sort of developmental stuff I was like I set myself a challenge of every week for a year to read at least three articles on your site wow which is quite a lot of articles. More than me. <laughs> and sometimes I wouldn't, you know, you just yeah, get yeah, bound yeah, up yeah. and sometimes you would. Yeah. But what I mean is, is that, um, and I'd read, you know, cases and the disciplinary yeah, stuff yeah. and all, all the different things, whatever I could get my hands on in, in football disciplinary, contract, IP, disputes, um, reputation management, um, image rights stuff, whatever it is I could get my hands on, I'd be like just trying to devour it as much as possible because I needed to, I realized I needed to expand or stretch what would I thought be ultimately my competencies. Mm. If I wanted to be a sports lawyer, I mean, I, bizarrely, it's even better. I'm, I'm really a 95% football lawyer, yeah. which is pretty tough to get the amount of work in from, from that than anything else. So the first thing was actually develop knowledge um, columns really how do I really delve into from a academic or practical perspective how can I really delve into topics FFP mm. was the one that gave me a really great opportunity for a while I was the FFP guy I, right. I might have done a decent amount of work in my head it. you still are the FFP guy <laughs> <laughs> there's tons of people doing FFP yeah, yeah, exactly. stuff but you know but that's the point really actually the second that we're going to come on to which is what I needed from almost my external perception that I was providing to people uh, was the hook the hook was I knew hopefully or began to know people I wanted people to think that I knew what I was talking about about football related matters so that when people approached me or I could approach them or you speak to them generally that I had a, a level of competency which people would um, uh, trust and uh, find um, uh, well ultimately reassuring that I would do a good job for them and that's what it actually became, which is, Dan, you, you know some stuff on the football agents regulations or you know some stuff on broadcasting rights or you know some stuff on disciplinary or you know some stuff on um, how to get a red card overturned or you, you all whatever else yeah. it may be. But that only worked because you actually did the work. So you were, and that's, so I, think, I think this yeah. is one of the things we're talking about this uh, before we started. That's one difference. You know, you've probably read it, Carl Newport's the first one, deep. Or one haven't yet, but that's deep, deep work, deep yeah. work. Right. And it's that deep work, right, which is essentially focused attention on something to get to the deep understanding of it rather than just superficial reading which are some very good journalists out there nowadays covering some of these issues but just reading the sort of main headlines without looking at the regs or without looking at it's the really cases. important because what that then enables you to do on a lot of fronts is to to link everything together because things aren't in isolations or silos, everything connects to everything, more or less. And the stronger the links that you have or the pegs that you can fit that knowledge onto, which then creates all of these, I could just call it spider webs, basically, mm. all of these interconnected columns and spider webs makes a, makes a massive difference. And the thing that we started on, which was the thing that I say to a hell of a lot of law students, um, people wanting to get into sports law generally is, don't worry about wanting to get into sports law. Yeah. I mean, I'd say yeah. it's a very simple, silly message, but the truth is, is that what I found, what was a real blessing for me after applying to a lot of sports law firms when I was doing, wanting a training contract and not getting them because I was too desperate to do one sports law right yeah. from the beginning yeah. was actually to go to a great firm like Jones Day and then work at Phil Fisher in a, under a great team um, and actually do a lot of non-sports regulatory uh, work that held me in fantastic stead and that was stuff in telco or aviation or financial services or 
um, broadcasting and some sport-related work in the beginning, and that obviously blossomed. But the, the what's the most important is the associated skill set, whatever it might be, if it's commercial contract drafting, or if it's regulatory investigations, or if it's high court proceedings, or if it's property, or whatever else it may be, mixed with not a passion for people just to say, oh, I'm really passionate about football because I love football. That's That's not the mix. The mix actually is with constant knowledge prep and dedication no one else will see but then at some point when you it comes up in conversation you can hold a conversation with someone that you'd probably consider to be an expert in what they're doing yeah. and that combination is actually the the, I, the the right mix i say this when when years ago i went to my first sort of football law event and i'd read Mad, i always say it wrong matalem and webster cases mm. right and i was like one of the only people in the room who had actually read the cases mm. but i was so keen and I was, yeah, I was just, and the night before, I was like, oh God, I can't turn up to the event without knowing the case. And it just struck me that all these people, while they were so busy doing other things, they didn't have the time to do it. And I would say this, when you're, when you're aspiring or you're, you're in practice and you're trying to develop a practice, so many people are very busy, they don't have time to do that. So if you allocate that time, it immediately puts you in such a good stead. The thing that I find now, which is great because I'm doing a lot of work in in writing what I hoped was going to be the sweet spot mm. of the stuff that I'm doing is I ha I'm time poor on a training and a knowledge from a no training and knowledge perspective. So it's really um, important for me to try and keep up with stuff and it doesn't and things slip through all the time really yeah. but i know that things that matter the most i need to make sure i am um, up to date with and that's not an easy thing whereas the inverse is also true is that generally when you are younger aspiring you have less pulls less commitments and you are more time rich yeah i said this i said this when, when you give sort of talks on like you are so lucky because you're blessed with with um with with out any preconceived ideas you can go into something and go why is that mm. whereas other people will be too busy or just assume that they understand it or know it you know because go, oh we don't need to look at that and you can spot those patterns um, um yeah and so also just one of the things i was just going to say is the point is is like you know your your website without obviously pushing it more than it needs to because everyone yeah. obviously knows about it i cannot believe the amount of footballer articles that are on yeah, it i yeah. mean it's genuinely the biggest treasure trove i could have every person that i speak I'll give to, you a high five for that thank you <laughs> every person that i speak to i just say if you're going to make one change in terms of if you want to be a sports lawyer read two articles on sean's website for a year and after that you will without doubt if you do if you read them well enough mm. and you understand have an absolutely clear perspective on the things that you enjoy reading about the things you are happy to invest more time in doing and then as a result the types of areas that you're more likely to do and it might actually be that sports not for you yeah and yeah and also yeah. you can also find like that's why i say to people all the time so i put it on the, the that piece the the the, the you know, the updated how to become a sports lawyer. I was like, write to the authors. Mm. I took my own advice. I wrote to a guy, Mihir Desai, who wrote the book uh, Wisdom of Finance. Mm. And I wrote to him at Harvard. They did the same thing. I was like, oh, I really liked what you did. I thought it was great for these reasons. And he wrote back and said, thanks, if you're ever in Harvard, let me know. Like, I'd love to go for lunch or dinner. And I think in the sports law world in particular, there aren't people necessarily getting that rich feedback. Mm. So I always remember you, because I remember this when, you know, we were both uh, younger. <laughs> um, that the you know you would write to a lot of people if you enjoyed their piece in fact mm. we spoke about this with Jody Balsams and mm. her article yep. if you like what they do you write to people and engage and I remember being you know you saying pleasantly surprised that you wrote to I can't remember it was now years ago in for coffee when you were mm. at Phil Fisher and uh, they wrote back and you end up in this long exchange and you were just saying how great it was that your knowledge base in, improved over that time because you know you thought or it may even been they've written they'd 
written on commentary on one of your articles yeah. and it just you know you it, it refines your thinking and it's also both ways so um you know there's a cup i remember a couple of people um that wrote to me on a couple of pieces i write and F- wrote an ffp they were like really enjoyed this but just thinking about this point i wasn't sure whether that was actually right or the right way to do it or and the truth is is that they were they were right mm. um and there were things that like i was like actually it should have been a bit clearer or this should have been said in a slightly different way or things could be you know so in a way my most um uh my biggest learning curves have been outside and what bit I'll talk about in a blog that I'm writing at the moment based mm. on one of the things that you were saying is actually outside of my comfort zone you know you are if you the most scary thing actually I've realized is staying in your comfort zone for too long because you're not really uh, you're not really yeah stretching or whatever is the right word and and very briefly I mean the other the, 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 the problem with that approach and maybe this is the the author bit as well inside me now is that and the funny thing is is that over the years I laugh at it I chuckle because you know lucky enough to work with a lot of footballers and um, you know the amount of abuse that they get online and offline is like scary and I'm always I'm always the lawyer saying don't worry you know just filter it out and stuff like that don't Don't react. react and then and then I'm I'm on Amazon and the book's about a month old or whatever and then I'm looking through the reviews because you're only human yeah, just yeah. hoping that everyone's <laughs> relatively positive and there's a review that just says book's rubbish it should it's meant for nine-year-olds and I'm like oh that that hurt actually a lot more than I imagined it to be so I end up writing back to the guy to try and say well I'm just interested in you know if any particular thing he didn't write back unfortunately but um, yeah I think that's the world we're in well, we did a we did a member survey <laughs> we did a member survey <laughs> someone wrote back and said have you not heard of gdpr <laughs> have you not heard of gdpr and i was like oh actually well, what you, you, you should have consented no, no, but you should have consented like for, for, for when you signed up because we only do inf- we only we only do stuff that, that people consented so we don't do any opt-ins and i thought i haven't got he didn't there was an opportunity to leave his email so we could have taken him off he any list he didn't leave his name email or anything but it made me laugh i just thought it was quite quite funny but um i think that's the world we're in so um Obviously, you join you. So I think we should just really like that's super interesting. I think from the from the uh, career perspective, and I think particularly from the there's always opportunity in sport. I think there's always going to be opportunity in sport, whether or not you're paid. We talked about this before, paid volunteering, whatever. And I think if you're if you're one of if you're someone like yourself, someone like your partners now, mm-hmm. Johnny, Andrew, uh, and Chris, um, you will find a path. You will find a way to make it work, whether it's either as a partner in a law firm or whether it's a consultant, whether it's in house. You'll find that way. Um, more interesting, though, when I want to come on to some of the stuff you've been doing more recently. So this is fast track. So you joined Sheridan's. Um, obviously, you knew Andrew Nixon, who, who then yep. became was he head of the sports team at the time. He then became head. Uh, yeah. Then became head of the sports team. What was the initial um, sort of transition like, going from a bigger firm to a more boutique firm, and then what would you say has been a, very, uh, a success for you? Let's say over that period um literally the best success, one of the best successes is actually working with nico i mean he's awesome They're such a football person <laughs> it's amazing nico. Nico. yeah I, I i give everyone like nicknames of like the first the first and second initial basically so chris is cp right. johnny's jm oh, yeah, but great. an doesn't have the same stuff <laughs> anyway and yeah we're i think hopefully it's the same that we're a pretty good double act um 
and it's it's like literally i mean there's there's always tough moments and pressurized moments and that type of stuff which are always a bit a bit trickier to deal with but the the guy is a legend like he's the guy that you want on your team when the chips are low that stands up in difficult moments to sort of deliver and th- there's plenty of people um uh, that that can't do that or won't do that or, or otherwise maybe and he's fostered a brilliant brilliant atmosphere and i don't want to be too much like gushing about yeah, it all yeah. generally but it's, it's a good it's, guy though I yeah agree with you. <laughs> and and like between the four of us and now the, the team's going up to seven um it's just uh, it's it's worked out nicely he we we chatted for about four or five months before i joined you know we had to put, put a pretty robust business plan together um you know i came to sheridan's the truth be told with not a, a huge amount of clients um you had loads of relationships though. i had the most i thought at the time the most fantastic relationships um and when i almost thought that i could pivot away from saying I'm a competition and regulatory lawyer that does some sports work to actually then coming up with a slightly different narrative, which is I've moved to Sheridan's to do sports work 100% of the time. And these are my areas of competency. It, it sort of, it flipped a little bit, I think, which was in a good way. And I also flipped my approach, which was previously with a lot of the takeover work that I've done at Phil Fish, I've done some great takeover work. It was all club side. Whereas I realized actually the opportunity was probably player, talent and, and, and agent and side. Was that because of volume? Was it because of relationships? Was it in terms of the work? Because mm. say the takeovers, so say not by my own rules with the mic here, but the um, with the takeover stuff, for example, mm. with some of the, the firms that we work with, they're like, you know, hey, we're not interested in some of the other smaller pieces of work. Mm. We only want the big work. Mm. Well, that's what we're geared up to yep. do. And so they, they would actually turn away player stuff, mm. for example. Um, it's more the um, the volatility of the transactional market is the truth. Like we, I still think we've got very good relationships with lots of people on the on the club side, but the truth is the the volume and the consistency of talent work, if it's esports, footballer, athlete, whatever else it may be, um, and the variety of the type of work that it can bring both proactive and reactive mm-hmm. makes um makes what I do um, even though you're having to manage an awful lot of things at the same time. Um, probably relatively profitable so you know I can be doing um, a transfer I could be doing a contract renegotiation I could be doing an image rights deal a brand deal Um, I could be dealing with the three disciplinary matters two agency regulation stuff um, ASA regulations on you know um, influencer stuff that's going on right now which is a growing importance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, plus the, the sort of bigger benefit of being sh- being Sheridan's, even though we are boutique, we're pretty big boutique, is that there aren't really any um, things that we can't cover. So footballer investing in a particular business, fine, corporate, you know, we've got quite a big family team and we've got, um, you know, a wider property team. So the point generally is, is that what I needed for um, my, my sports practice to grow generally was full service however you want to call it but also to have um the hook like we just talked about before i really wanted that if anyone said who's a football lawyer it wouldn't really matter what the work is Mm. so long as i'm the fulcrum or the 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 initial filter in a lot of the stuff i can do or the team can do but outside of that it means that there isn't really anything we we can't do so this is is an interesting point i was saying this to someone the other day as well was like it's yeah, we talked about this from years ago, right? And so people, particularly with social media in law, people are like, oh, people on social media, that means they can't be doing any work. People on social media, they really know what they're talking about. And now I was argue that there are some people who are on social media who don't know what they're talking about. And particularly given that everyone's probably on social media now, uh, whereas before it was a select, particularly Twitter, when we were first on it, it was more of a, 
a real sort of like engaged community yep. who are who are uh, talking about these type of things. Um, the, as long as you're honest about what it is you're doing, so as long as when work comes and you can't do it, you don't try to serve it. You say, "Hey, actually, we can make a, make a referral to one of our because every law firm yep. has got a relationship." Then that's absolutely fine. What does it matter? Because the main thing, as you were saying, is being the point of contact that they come to you. And, and, and in fact, even if you have to refer work on, you still get the value from that yep. if, as long as the other side do, a, you know, the other law yep. firm does a good job. Yep. Um, lots of things. I, I'm positive there were loads of people at the time when I was uh, Phil Fisher that I had my football law account and I was blogging and stuff. Everyone going, well, he's blogging too much because he hasn't got the work to do. Yeah. And elements of truth in all of that, to mm. be fair. I mean, I, I wasn't, but what I was actually trying to do was put in the long hard yards to be able to say, look at what I'm writing. Hopefully it makes sense and shows the value that I can bring and the knowledge that I have of those particular topics. Now, query now is whether... Um, I can go on TV or whatever it is or comment on um, as many things as I could previously No, is the answer yeah. but that's a great problem to have because I'm involved in lots of things directly or indirectly and then can't necessarily just you know put myself out there as much so so um, one of the things that I always enjoyed and I was a big fan of your blog as you know um, the reason why I enjoyed it was that it was crossing saying like the past tense of what, what have I done? No, 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 no. But as in, no, as in like, but, but I mean, the the thing, I still am. Yep. But, but I mean, when you, uh, at the time, it was uh, refreshing, right? And the reason being is it seemed, it seemed to me, and having known you now for, for we had loads of conversations about this, um, you cared about who was reading it, right? You put a lot of thought into who was reading it, right? So it was purposely, it was intentionally. Mm. Everything was intentionally coming to say, to say stuff to you about, oh, I, I liked your piece, but you didn't necessarily cover that. And you say, well, actually, the reason why I didn't cover that was for this reason. Um, now that you're now a published author, and so we should say, obviously, Dundee came out. How long ago now? It's time's flying. January, transfer in, window. In Jan January, wow. Man, where's the time? <laughs> you know, you just blink and you miss it, right? Uh, it's been incredibly successful, hasn't it? Do you want to just I'll give, I'll give you a shout out for this? Because it has been really well received, hasn't it? Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, and it feeds back to the same ideas we talked about, about the audience. Generally, the audience is the informed football fan. That's what I want it to be, or the fan that wants to know more about the game. And the truth is, is that what I had seen to date in the market was there wasn't really a, a no. book that did. I, I might be wrong, but... Uh, but that, that's what I thought. So books at the time. are touched on different points, yes, but not but not not with that central focus. I agree. That that was the yeah. idea, and and then it was, c could I write the book that I would have loved to have read about a decade ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. is the truth. Or like, for example, I wrote about it in a blog piece that I'm writing at the moment. Is like I would have loved to have Swiss Ramble back in 1988. Yeah. Oh, my because God. like I would have that, that that blog's incredible. Yeah. Jane Purden put me onto that when she was she was she, she I think you and her. Have both said you need to check out the Swiss Ramble yeah. blog. Yeah, this is ten years ago. Yeah, now. exactly. So. And it's it's a joy to, to when you get that. So it's brilliant. Yeah. So th then fast forward. The idea was to c in the beginning it was actually to think about how I could use my existing blogs to put something into shape that sort of was a bit more comprehensive in nature. And I had a good starting point on a few of them, but actually it was a, it was a lot to do. Um, and really, it's just a mix of. I'd like to say positivity, actually. I, the, I can't get away from the fact that there's no point me bad-mouthing the industry that's served me well. There's no doubt about <laughs> that. <do> <laughs> no, no. But at least publicly. <laughs> but um, the, the truth is, is that especially, I mean, a lot of people have said to me, oh, well, you know, your agent's chapter's a little bit too, um, you know, focused on the, the positivity, the positive side of what agents actually do. And it's like, that's true because 99% of whatever's out there about agents is pretty damning is the truth. 
truth. Yeah. And so I just wanted to provide a little bit of a counterbalance because I've worked with a huge number of agents and agencies, mm. and I think mostly and on the whole, and I know a number of very, very good ones that do an amazing job. So the, the truth just generally about the book is, is that I was like, right, well, do people understand how a transfer works or a co re con contract no. renegotiation? <laughs> I think more yeah. so now, though. I'd say it's getting better, better. Yes, and that's because there's there's some fantastic journalists out there, yeah, you know, in the FT or uh, New York Times or you know Gal Marcotti and lots of others yeah, at Associated ESPN doing like yeah. doing fantastic stuff. Mm. So it's all about complementarity, whatever you want to call it. There and and on the whole, the the reaction to the book's been been really good and um will i be retiring to my desert island just yet on the royalties no but it served lots of fantastic yeah but we, we, we talked about that didn't we we said like the, the seth godin who we're both fans of says like you're not making money in books no no very few people make money when publishing but that's not the objective you and to give people an idea because obviously i was at the launch and you talked about this i was like how the hell you've you found time to do that i've got no idea particularly with kids um you were allocating, so your wife had given you basically <laughs> set period of time, right, when which maybe you had agreed, which yeah. I think is a wonderful thing, um, uh, to go, right, okay, you can have this amount of time on a Sunday, and I think it was a Monday, was it Monday? Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Monday or Tuesday. Um, how long, just again, how long did that take? I remember it was a good few years. Well, right? the, um, once I got the deal through from Bloomsbury, um, I was obviously elated for a few days. We hoped it was going to come. Um, and then I sort of got, I was like, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll get going soonish. And Hull um, was, uh, Holly said to me, well, we need to actually plan this out. So you've got 20 months to write this or a little bit longer to write it. Um, let You know, you've just started Sheridan's. You need to build a practice. We want to go on holiday sometimes. Uh, you've got two kids, one a newborn as well. Yeah. And uh, we will still want to have date night every now and then as well. How are we actually going to do it? And she was totally right. And what we came up with was a two-year planner. And when I sent this over to my agent and then Bloomsbury, they'd never seen anything like this before. I don't know if that was just because most authors are actually authors for a living. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or otherwise, or have ghostwriters or whatever else it may be. But that actually, again, gave me a huge amount of comfort. I could see what I needed to do within particular time spans. And, you know, ultimately that was... 10 hours a week for what ended up being two and a half to three years. And so when, when we talked in the beginning about needing that routine again, actually when that all finished and then I put together a whole plan and marketing to try and actually mm. do good stuff for the book as well, because that's the stuff yeah. I enjoy the most. And we, we enjoy doing that type of stuff generally. After that happened, um, I was like, well, uh, what, what, what now? What now? It's yeah, not like, it's, I've just, won, it's, like being, it's, it's like being an athlete. Right, when you do something yeah. and then you go, right, well, no, I had it, my modicum of success with law and sport, I had it for a bit with law and sport because the first thing was like, oh, if I could get people in the community to, to, to write and contribute and be part of something, and you go, oh, right, they're doing it. now, And then you, go, like, you have to, you know, you have to redefine where you're going to go. Um, how long did it take you to get back on track after all of that? Well, we... I know you bored of talking about it because you've been doing loads of PR stuff on it. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> do you actually, do you get tired of it or not? Or? Well, I went to Poland last week. Yeah, I saw that look cool. It was fantastic. So the first translation of the book into Polish, which is out next week, was oh, like mind, mind blown, which is that's very great. cool. But I had to do like 10 interviews within a day and a half and it was actually really tough to try and uh, stay, actually stay authentic is the thing. Yeah. I don't want to keep like I'm going through the motions of just saying the same things and, and really wanting to engage and that was actually tough to, to do that but um the truth with the um it's the cool because it gives you some empathy to the players for example oh yeah because now you go when they're giving interviews and you go i don't really saying like they really care it's because they've got other things going on oh it's tough <laughs> yeah but um 
I'm trying to think what the question was. What was the so so? Um, how long did it take to get back on track? <laughs> oh yes, what I need, what I realised was that I actually needed a, a little bit of a break from it just to, um, just to actually refresh and get a little bit creative again, um, because I, I had a bit of a tough time of it the year before, and it was all of my own making because. There's a book called um, Football and the Law that came out, edited by Nick DiMarco, and he uh, did on, a fantastic... On the back cover. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. He did a fantastic job at it. I mean, genuinely, That's I still My contribution finished. is like, it's a good book, you should read it. <laughs> I haven't finished reading it all because yeah. the so, because it just, it's literally so yeah, dense it's, in a it's good a way book, yeah. and so comprehensive. But um, uh, Nick asked me, um, and it was because of how busy I was for that particular spell of time, to um, do the co-author of the EU and, uh, the EU and football chapter, brilliant I was like it's fantastic to write what I want to do um, and as the year went on I hadn't finished I hadn't, I hadn't really started it is the truth uh, but I had an idea of what I wanted to write fast forward to December I wrote just before I left to go on holiday to Israel to say uh, to Nick I was really sorry Nick I'll, um, I, I need a bit of a break just for that week yeah. I'll get back in Jan and then we'll get it to you for the end end of Jan and I, this was actually still I needed to write about 12,000 words wow. on it so it wasn't wow. sure this was in between me this is actually when Dundee is still on the go and wow. I'm trying to do that manuscript and get things done um and i remember getting an email back from nick on the plane I, i'm still i feel like i'm about to start sweating again actually <laughs> saying really sorry dan but um it needs to go to um the editorial but i need i need to check it through so that the second week it's going to basically it's final manuscript to, to go to print and i was like <laughs> And thank goodness I brought my computer and my notes of what I wanted to say, more or less. Yeah. But my the truth is, my heart just sank. I was like, I've had a, a horrendously busy year. I hadn't really had a holiday. I suddenly felt ridiculously guilty to hold. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh no. And then yeah. I've got to write. I've got to pump out twelve thousand words by Boxing Day. And the truth of it was, I actually was like, I think. I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean yeah, that yeah, positive. No, it was like, I've, I've had a very tough year, just a really good year, but I needed to recharge yeah. a bit. And here I was having to be locked in my room with <laughs> actually with Livy, because she always had her afternoon sleeps no. and then work every evening when everyone had gone to bed. So I did that for six days, which I was obviously not um, flavor of the month with Holt and right, completely <laughs> rightly so. Um, <laughs> got it done. But the truth of it was, I was, I was half begrudging yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. And half thinking, this needs to be really good because I've got Nick DeMarco and my co author of the chapter, actually, who are, you know, the most preeminent QC, Nick wasn't QC at yeah. the time, but was soon to be, going to be tearing this to shreds if it's not half decent. Yeah, yeah. More than half decent, it's got to be on it. Thank goodness in the end, I, you know, I plowed through and it was good. But I realized actually then after that, I was like, you've taken too much on for the first time. And that's not good for lots of lots of different reasons. So anyway, so I had that in between, what which then meant that... Which is interesting, sorry, from a psychological... I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm fascinated yeah. by this type of stuff. But that's interesting because like, given what we talked about before, right, you were quite good with allocating your time. You're normally quite good with that. But even like, even then, with all those mechanisms in place, with routine, planning and everything else, you still overstretched yourself. Yeah, right? it's not very clever. And, and do you think... I find if, if I'm doing that, I'm not sure if it's the same with other people, if I'm overcommitting myself, it's normally because I'm fatigued. Mm because I don't have the control, the resilience has gone. Mm. So like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Mm. Uh, what was your reason this in terms of what do you think contributed well, to that? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure of the answer, but I know the question, if that's the right way of right. saying it, which is uh, when I chatted with Hull quite a lot about it, um, she was like, "You need." I, I, we came to the same conclusion, which is you just probably just need to cut back the peripherals a little bit. 
which was actually quite important, which was I was doing a hell of a lot of charity stuff. Um, I was um, meeting a lot of people who needed help, you know, uh, students or, you know, all the same, exactly the same type of stuff that you did. And it was actually, how do I be a lot more efficient with, with my time? Because I'm not the one-year post-qualified lawyer that has more time on his hands for lots of different reasons. In a great way, I am developing myself so that I'm fortunately more time poor. Mm. So one of the things I developed more recently is, again, the same as we talked about before, I you know, get probably 10 or 15 emails every couple of weeks from students around the world just wanting to have a chat, get advice, all the usual stuff. But the truth is, I say, on the whole, probably 70% the same thing to each person. And that's not to belittle the conversation, but it's that um, there's definitely more efficient ways of me being able to do the same thing, which is now I've sort of half, so Sarah, who heads up the, the PA, everything in our team more or less, has come up with a brilliant idea, which is every two weeks, I'm doing a conference call, whoever wants to dial in. Oh, nice. That's, you know, I've talked about this as well, about where we've got to allocate Friday afternoons. Mm. Um, to do that and we can but, just have a bit of career could, yeah, but I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this maybe you should do this I don't know if it's going to no, work I'm, open. I'm, I'm going to do Instagram videos and Twitter videos so I'm going to get a question I'm going to put it out there. if it's the same question I'm referring back to mm. that question because the, the, I think I'm going to tell it to the individual just because one it makes for great traction in theory whether or not it looks good or not I don't know I'm just going to do it on my iPhone the you know just get it out there yep. because well, what I find this the answer's there right for most people it's there um, that it already exists, but people think that I think I've, they think that it's unique to them the circumstances. Because I deal with so many people in career, but I also got a recruitment division as well, and and all the mentoring and stuff like that. And it's just really interesting to see that that, that people will go like, say, for example, sometimes we've been in India earlier. I was like, if there's not an opportunity there, you have to create the opportunity. Mm. So then you go, well, how have other people created those opportunities, and then follow it. But I understand at the same time, people want to connect with people, yes, which I is important. There's yeah. no point just saying, oh, here's a link to my blog that I wrote on that topic. Because actually, a lot of the time, and it happens very often, is that, you know, you, you know, you want people want human connections. Yeah, it's the feeling, right? It's the yeah. feeling of it. I agree, I agree with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So there's that halfway house between it. And then, you know, it's awesome, by the way, that you're doing that. That's one thing yeah. I should say. I think that's amazing. So what do people email you if they're going to be on that? How are you going to do it? Well, I so What's Sarah's actually got... So um, I just allocate um, an hour on Tuesday oh, early amazing. evenings. Wow. And then where's, I have 15 Where does that hour go. come from? <laughs> it's, it's all doable yeah, yeah, if it's yeah, in, yeah, 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 as long sure. as there's nothing crazy yeah. that comes up. So every two weeks, an hour every two weeks. And then... Um, uh, Sarah just helps me organize it and um, that's and the truth of it is a lot of the time you make some really you you, you chat to some really interesting people or you know what's happened and it's a, a tad embarrassing is the truth is that people will come up to you um, maybe a conference three years after you've had an initial chat with someone okay. and the problem is is that you know you, we all chat to a lot of people yeah. they'll say oh do you remember the chat we had two and a half years ago about my career and I'll be like oh, I don't but let, t tell me about how how things have gone yeah. and they'll say this was really helpful or this worked out nicely or we're doing this as a result and it's that that's the truth it's just it's nice nice to hear 100 percent. i think yeah okay go for this go for this normally it clicks with me i normally do remember a conversation um but I'm I think, better with faces that's yeah, the thing so i'm, all, than, I'm yeah. all right with that because there's also verbal reasoning and yep. stuff is something I'm, I'm relatively all right at. but the the um what i retain more the um the, I think the thing, the, what I find always fascinating, like speaking to you and speaking to other people, is that 
overall, and I always say this, there's more good people in the world than bad people. And in, in this sector, even though it can uh, appear to be inaccessible at times to people, um, I got a feedback from someone from our conference, a great a student who has uh, got a training contract at a great firm, good sports practice, and said he felt at our football conference that we could have done more to facilitate um, networking right for him mm. and I was like wow I thought we actually spent we're, in, we're probably one of the best best I would say the best uh, helping facilitate that and he still felt despite that and it wasn't necessarily he said he just felt that everyone knew each other basically and there was too much of like for me I was like all right okay that check we need to do more to help you understand what it is you got to do um and I think continually doing that but I thought it was great to connect again when you problem is as you develop more in, in the sector right you can also get so far away from everyone else who's starting out you forget what it's like you forget that you were you were, you were trying to build your practice up Correct. trying to get a reputation the two things there i mean the first thing about which was great about the football conference you went that um that we went to and we spoke at was that unfortunately i listened to five talks i only able to listen to five talks i just had a dispute that was finalizing that day and it meant that i was just to and fro the talk unfortunately that's just the way of the, the world sometimes as well um which means then you can't speak to as many people as you want to and all the usual stuff, which that's the way of the world. But the other thing is also is that what I've tried to do as well with um, Meza Erzl's agent, Erkut, um, is we've, we've run th two seminars on the football agency and industry business that we've, we've run in um, Paddington, um, over the last six months, a couple of yeah, courses. Yeah, people have been so it was great. Yeah, and we've and Eric, it's fantastic. We're doing another one at the end of November, yeah. which is going to be good. It's about to come. Yeah, a bunch public. of people. I've met him briefly, and a bunch of people have said really good things oh, about he's him. He's awesome. Yeah, I people, mean, people speak very highly of him. Yeah, and you know, um, well, there's lots of things, but the, the point there is that people are fascinated with the industry sports industry but especially the football industry and will agency be, be for everyone absolutely not um but for the but for the insights that he can deliver and then hopefully some of the things that i can be able to say about all the range of topics that i talk on generally it's just i think i i sometimes just um when, whenever Urquhart's talking i'm like i just want to try and not save is the wrong word but sort of just try and just try and hear as much as the content is, is fantastic you know a lot of people have fantastic ways of being able to present and I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by the way people present just because every now and then a little bit of something will be like actually that's really good and I can incorporate that yeah, or I can yeah. do it's not plagiarism as I mean but it's just like really good behaviors and little routines or particular things you're saying I can do that and that's actually very good yeah I, I, I look at particularly with someone like Nick or some of the QCs or mm. other barristers that we know in particular some of there's some people who are fantastic at like it that or, that's or, sorry go on yeah the, I was just gonna say the panel with, with Nick and uh, John, John Mers yeah it was great I mean I that was so yeah. tough to do on both yeah, sides and, and, and Eola and, 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 well and, and Roberto yeah, exactly. it was great the um I really enjoyed that that was that was really good the um um I was gonna say though the difference the other thing was though Leon Mann and those guys on that panel though but Leon in particular though again when you have TV presenters mm. well you know you obviously know a bunch of them when they do presenting you know it's a difference between it's like watching an amateur football player and a professional football player. They're so Slick. good at it yeah. because there's little things that they're doing. They're not like over speaking like I do. They're not getting over excited. They're composed. Mm. They're pacing themselves right. It's difficult, right? It's things yeah. like when not to speak yeah. and just to hold that particular. What I mean is, is like the, those silences to emphasize become you know you know you can you can really anyway. There's loads of different things yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So let's get, let's finally get onto some law. <laughs> Surely um, not. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, we haven't talked about. It. I could talk about the mentoring scheme as well, but the um, uh, 
Law, what's 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 what you got your attention on at the moment? What's the what's the from both a practice perspective? What you're doing? Majority mm-hmm. of stuff is I think influence, obviously mm-hmm. being a big thing, growth area, and what else you you paying attention to? Um, agents regulations globally and so on a macro and a micro level. If it's FIFA or um, FA, they've changed. So that's some interesting bits there. Women's football. Um, we've done some really interesting work for quite a few agents and agencies there, which is very cool. Um, influencer work, so across sport and outside of sport into entertainment. Um, ASA related stuff, so ASA and the CMA came so up the with advertising standards, sorry, advertising yeah. standards agency. Um, and it was specifically the CMA came up with some um, guidance as to you know talent posting uh, postings on sponsorship related matters. That, that's my big bug, but you know, yeah, like, I mean, they, when we get to it, I spoke to say someone we know, uh, you know more than me, but anyway, someone you know well, I spoke to him about it and said, is is info advertising seems to me as if it, they're essentially have just created contract work for the agencies. The agencies still control what goes on because they've got the money flow, essentially, and the influencers used to be employees and now they're not. They're now just outsourced. There's no employment liability there. So it's cheaper for the agencies, easier. And they still control what goes on in the market. And that individual, I'll tell you who it was afterwards, they said, yeah, 100%. 100%. That's that's exactly what's going on. But my concern, for example, is, you know, a a lot of footballers um, won't necessarily know the difference between a paid ad, posted ad, sponsored ad, whatever else it may be. And they're low low hanging fruits really and a lot of these guys have huge social followings so um yeah that's another that's another big sort of growth Managing the digital space now is just so tricky we got we've got pan, we got is it a panel was a presentation at our conference we've got one on reputation management yep. for this reason because there's people who are telling me in this space who are working on protecting people's reputation is that there, there some of the some journalists are tracking the academy players from uh yeah, from from wherever our age it is, 10, 11, 12 years old, for their social media stuff, and then screenshotting, storing it in places That's ready, true. just just in just case. And I think if I doubt there's that many people doing it, but unfortunately, it doesn't take you know you need the one person to suddenly write an article. Yeah. And then go live, but you see that's that's so much. Could you imagine your kids having to to to, to deal with that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's and I think then the thing that we're trying to do with a lot of the more forward-looking agencies and and players to a degree is, you know, it's the usual stuff. It's it's not it's not rocket science. It's an education compliance piece, which is if you're tweeting, if you're Instagramming, if you're tindering, and if you're doing whatever else it is, imagine that you're doing it to your grandma. We have this in the professional space. I said, God forbid, when no, no, but no, no, but in the in the um, like, so God help us, as I say, when um, you know, like, Me Too finally comes to the legal sector, like in terms of all the emails that go back and forth, because they're all recorded. Mm. And someone was telling me, I can't say who, but again, but someone was telling me they're in banking that's a problem with and i know in law firms it's the same people use the live messengers mm. and they don't realize that it's all saved and so they make a joke and i'm just talking things like this just silly things though but like so i'm making a joke about a colleague or yep. saying oh that client's a bit of an idiot or something like that man if you just don't put anything like that down on on, on it on anything because at some point it, you have to assume that you're going to get hacked yeah or it's going to get out into the public domain yeah exactly so i think that there are probably four or five of the things that we're quite in what we're doing a lot of work in already and we'll do more and that's not even you know taking into account for a second esports which is sort of flourishing for us right now um 
And you guys were on that early, to be fair. Yeah. Because like, it was, they always say yeah. this, go give the hat tip to Andrew. It was Alex Inglot at Sport Radar and, and Andrew and Ian Smith yep. were like, oh, esports, 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 esports. And I was like, okay, let's, there's a, not, an, I'm intellectually interested in it enough that we should probably look into yep. this. And then obviously it's blown. But the difference now is, is that it's, it's, it's integrated into sport, whatever you want to call esports. Um, it's integrated into the sports landscape now, whereas for our masterclass, for example, we're not having standalone esports um, panels now. They're integrated yeah. into the variety of panels so that we necessarily so you have. Could argue that, you could argue, which I think is the correct, I would argue, obviously. I'd put forward the argument that it's because sport is more entertainment as much as it is sport anymore in terms of where the revenue generation is. So I was, with, um, I was at a Bellator event, thanks to Tom Burroughs, at the zone because I love MMA. So he said, "Do you want to come?" And I asked them, "Like, does it does the ticket revenue matter as much as media rights, or how does it how does it work?" And they're like, "The media rights out is like far more valuable to us than than we want to sell it out. We want it to be a great spectacle." And I think you know, with esports, it's just that convergence isn't it between the sports tech media. And we were in a great space to be able to sort of have a bit of first mover um, advantage there, really. And I, you know, I I. Don't say for a second that I'm the the main sports guys here, but b- between the six rest of us, um, we're doing a huge amount of work in the space now. To the extent that we brought in a um, a trainee, um, uh, Ryan, who uh, was from a esports team uh, previously, right. so yeah. and he's doing great stuff as well. So you know we're, we're we're right in the heart of lots of interesting stuff. So engineer, so so to say, what was it eight years? What were we in now? God, two thousand twelve. Yeah. So seven years ago. Right. Did you think that esports was was that even on your radar in terms of? Look, the, the closest I got that to that was FIFA '95, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 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 if we're looking forward to say, what do you think? Like, have you got like to take a guess, right? Just in case we do this in seven years' time again, right? Um, hopefully, we do it much, much sooner. But what do you? Th- where, well, what's the thing that you think? Where are we going to be in seven years' time in terms of the sports? esports well i just i'm just interested in everything data related now is probably the truth Uh, is it uh, i I read such a fantastic article in the new york times a while back by um i can't remember who it was by but um it was all about liverpool's data analytics team of course it would be about liverpool (laughs) and um it was talking about how one of the new recruits into the data team was one of the uh, scientists who had worked on the hicks boson um, yeah, collider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I, it just blew my mind that and and he he'd, he'd written a paper on how to sp- split a particular atom. Uh, chemical yeah, atom or whatever, yeah. and I was I was reading it. I was like, how how do you get from there to Liverpool mm. Football Club in uh, in one step? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what did you find out? To, no, but it <laughs> sort of it sprung to mind, which was you know you not not that we weren't having clever people inside sports previously. Mm. But I think it is much less of um, an insular environment than it was even five or ten years. And I think um, I'm really interested, like, for example, shout out to the 21st Club guys. They're doing some awesome stuff, which are helping a lot of my clients on a variety of different matters. If it's takeover stuff, if it's agency work, if it's player recruitment or if it's talent or if it's valuation, whatever else it may be. I was listening to yesterday, Johnny Ives like uh from from apple mm. or formerly of apple uh talking about design right now there's this thing about he was saying about from a design because i got concerns about data in sport right say like the nba has got less interesting to watch because there's they've got so much 
data, right? They know not to go into certain areas and take certain risks because it massively decreases their mm. uh, percentage. I'm sure it's the same in football. You see the exact, you know, less creativity. I think that's one of the reasons why the Women's World Cup was probably more, uh, was, was a very good spectacle because there's a bit more creativity, a bit more spontaneity about mm. it rather than being, you know, they're, they're obviously they're absolute professionals, but they probably don't have as much data being thrown at them as the, the men's teams because of funding issues more mm. than anything. But, but he, was, they were say, he was saying that, Johnny Ives was saying that in the old days, some designer in the 1800s would say that, that um, you couldn't mass produce something with care and quality, right? It was basically almost sacrilegious to, to, to do that. Um, and he was like, well, actually, some of the things that uh, some of the things that are uh, produced that um, uh, uh, mass produced can be done with such level of attention, such care that it is beautiful in itself, mm. and it is is a real good piece of design. Where are we at in terms of like that that applying that sort of same analysis to data? Because initially, you go, I don't believe my initial view was like anything with that much data can't be beautiful essentially mm. can't be an expressive form mm. of sport that, that i personally enjoy and now i'm going to a point of going okay maybe is this going to become that ingrained yep. in it that it will become beautiful in the, itself the biggest testimony you can give is in the same piece jürgen klopp said to um the journalist in question he said that um edwards and his team were his main advocates to fsg because at particular times during his dortmund time even though they lost particular matches XG ratios and particular things that cropped up, they were just incredibly unlucky over a particular mm-hmm. period of time, um, regardless of the result, especially in um, in particular sports where you have low scoring mm-hmm. types of results and end games. So anyway, but yeah, I think um, I, I'd l- I, I'm so interested to see where data goes. But that, sorry. Does your competition hat kick in? Because that's what I think mm-hmm. about. You say, say, for example, the Raptors, the I, IBM did a great thing after, I mean, they were on it. When the Raptors won, they'd obviously pre-planned all the stuff about their knowledge hub. Mm. And as you've seen it, it's pretty cool. Some one of the, the the guys from IBM put it on his LinkedIn, and they were basically worked out all the predictions for if they were to sign a certain player, doing the draft, what that could mean yep. and where it would go. And they were saying it wasn't the only thing that you know people still have to perform, but they were saying it was one of the things that that, that assisted them. Yep. And you look at that and go, well, that's cool. that's great. But from a competition perspective and control perspective, like we've got FFP, mm. at what point does it, if you can afford or apply the best technology that automatically means that you win? Yep. Um, well, lot, lots of things come to <laughs> my head, but I think so, the, f- the first is um, who actually, is uh, there yeah. anything, who owns the data? data yeah. Is it player, team, federate, all that type of stuff? And then, who maintains that data who can use it for particular reasons like for example i don't think we're far off just very briefly because i know we're yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. Of time is you know um if a player is to be transferred to from one team to another and a team has four years worth of training data and playing data i haven't quite seen it in lots of instances yet but i see no reason why a buying club might want to say to the selling club can we see that data before we buy him and also delete it or delete it, or even more so, if that data is the players per se, presumably he can refuse that transfer. And we've got, we, we, so we got some interesting, uh, we've got an article, I'm not sure if you saw that one we did from last year, for Arnie, uh, who was our intern from Notre Dame, did a piece, we were comparing mm. the, the rules in the, the major leagues in particular about who owns the data. Yep. And it's really interesting when you look at that, particularly when you go from, the, we had this discussion at uh, the football conference, I'm not sure if you were there for the insurance panel, yeah, no, about medicals, yep. right? Standard, yep. like, there's not a standardised process for yep. medicals. So you don't even go, you, again, data, Sebastian Fromm from Google did the, um, who was at Google, did Udacity. Right, yeah, the, the, he was a Stanford lecturer. I did the first online course, mass online course for artificial intelligence. He said, don't trust anyone's data unless you're the one who's collated it. 
right? And so we're going to get to this point where it's going to be super interesting because can you trust the data that another, well, particularly when they're incentivized to True. get rid of a player? But the, the big competition bit there is the interoperability point. Is it how easy can you transfer, transfer if it. you can do it to a different a pl platform provider in order to get the same or similar insights yeah, yeah, yeah. because everybody is there in Ireland otherwise yeah yeah but yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's what it's good. It's good. And that's the same argument the way we're going now because we've got all this data there's the same argument with the match fixing stuff it's the same argument with um, uh, anti-doping yeah. yeah passing our data yeah I think, I think you're right it's going to be really interesting then also we have to follow the money right so what we'll remember for another time but like where, where who's monetizing it and why mm. and how and then what influence that? I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this how this rolls out. Um, we got planned for the weekend. So this is going to go out. I'm going to get it up. In yeah, thing. Holly uh, is playing football on Sunday, so I've got the girls. I might take them with to the game. Oh, cool! Uh, but it's also obviously. So your wife, sorry, you should say was a good football player, or is yeah, a good yes, football player? Yes, that sorry. is. Yeah, I know the best footballer in the family. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it's awesome. And it is Wimbledon final Sunday and Cricket World Cup final Sunday. So I think it might be, um, I'll be on the iPad whilst the girls are watching <laughs> the TV somewhere or yeah, nothing too crazy. Excellent. Well, Dan, thanks for your time. Uh, congratulations on the book. I think it's awesome. The hard work you put in. I love the fact that I said, I always said this, you're such a great communicator, um, particularly in the written form. It's a real talent that you've got. Um, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to have a chat I always love talking to you I just wanted to catch up generally anyway so it's a great excuse to do that um, good luck with the agency course as well because I know I think you've got one in India coming in September as well um, one of our mentees was was one who told me about it which is incredible from India um, so that's awesome um, yeah and continued success to all you guys here I think it's fantastic what you're doing keep up the great work and thanks for your time thank you we'll run over